There's a parable from the Old Testament that tells the story of a farmer and his family. He was a newly married farmer, and they had just had a baby, so it being the end of the harvest season, much responsibility rested on his shoulders. What if he didn't finish the reaping in time? What if he didn't plant the right number of things? What if he planted the wrong kinds of plants? What if he doesn't reap correctly or efficiently enough? Should he learn how to do this better from someone else before even attempting? Of the people he could ask in the village, who isn't mad at him? Would he even have enough time to go into town today? He accidentally woke up late today, so maybe he should wait until tomorrow. Is there anything he can do today before he goes into town tomorrow? He became tired, maybe he should take a nap to clear his head. But if he naps too long, he might not finish the work that needs to be done, the work on which his entire family relies. As the story is told, the man and his family all starved to death because he took too many naps, walked around, and avoided talking to anyone that could help because he thought everyone was always mad at him. In today's episode, we address nervousness, and I will show you an exercise that may allow us to short-circuit its paralyzing power that so often prevents us from reaching our true potential. Welcome to Explorations with Leslie Tanner. Hello everyone, welcome back to Explorations with Leslie Tanner. I'm your host, Leslie Tanner. It is 3.34 a.m. and we are broadcasting as always from 8.80 a.m. from my home. And you know, I know I say this every week, but we have quite a show planned for you this week. Today we are tackling nervousness. Um, And I think that's a little intimidating, to be honest, to tackle for me, because it's such a relatable thing. I think everyone knows what it's like to be nervous at some point or another. I remember the the first time I was ever nervous. Um, When I was five or six years old, I had the dream of becoming a policeman. I was going to become an officer of the law. And I remember telling my parents and them being largely indifferent. So I, I came to my friend Luke down the street. His parents were both police officers and we were playing in the front yard I think we were playing uh, horseshoes with with uh, plastic horseshoes because they're safer and my friend's parents came home and I just remember looking at them freezing (laughs) they had everything that I wanted the power the pride knowing that they are serving everyone around them and holding up the community in a way that no one else can Uh, But I froze. I was a real nervous Nathan on that particular day, and it took me a long time to unpack that. And in today's episode, I'm going to show you an exercise that I developed for myself to get past the fears and nervousness or anxiety that hold you back. But before we get into all that, I do have one point of business to take care of. Uh, This week's sponsor, Ms. Waltec's Jam Making Kits. Uh, So this week's sponsor comes from a run-in I had at Mass this week. Um, I know probably what you're thinking is, Leslie, uh, you believe in God? Uh, Well, I I personally attend Mass for the community, just to see how everyone's doing. But uh, to answer your question, um, I personally do not believe in God. I have not had uh, experience with life or um, corporeality in general that would lead one to believe in a God. However, uh, when I attend Catholic Mass, I feel such a strong dissonance from being immersed in a value system that I strongly oppose, and this dissonance forces me to search within myself for answers of mainly why the idea of God is so offensive to me. However, before we continue down this path any further, um, I'd like to tell you about Ms. Waltech. 
She's a regular parishioner. I had seen her before at church, but we'd never spoken. Until last Sunday, that is. We sat across from each other in the basement after service for Donut Sunday. Uh, we both got in our donuts and sat down. She pulled out a plastic sandwich bag full of what looked like mashed up fruit. And she stuck her bare fingers into the bag and began wiping this mashed fruit onto the donut. And what she didn't get onto the donut, she put all four fingers in her mouth to clean off the fruit. So I said, Excuse me, uh, what is that, and why are you doing that with your fingers? Uh, her eyes lit up, and she talked to me at length about her jam and her jam-making kit business. She invited me to her home to see what it's like, and uh, to be honest with you, her home is remarkably filthy. However, her jam kits are weirdly clean. Uh, she continued to speak largely unintelligibly, but she was very clear that she does not make jam for others, only the kits. I think, my jam is mine, is, is what she kept saying. And to be honest, I don't think Ms. Waltek is a person you want making jam for you or for anyone that you care about, especially out of that home. Uh, she doesn't get out of the house very often other than mass, so if you're looking for a kit to start your own jam making, uh, just write or call me up here in the show and just give me your order. I told Ms. Waltek I'd go over there once a week to help her take out the trash and whatnot, so I can just give her the order then. So, uh, quick thanks to Ms. Waltek and her jam-making kits for making this week's episode possible. The community thanks you. So, what's happening in Leslie's life? Well, to be honest, um, I spent most of this week helping Ms. Waltek out with various tasks around her home. The big task this week that sticks out in my head is uh, we're, we're trying to catch a cat that isn't hers running around through all the trash in her home. Um, it took a while, mainly because this cat was a genius. It adapted so well to anything that I tried. I eventually resorted to setting a series of small controlled fires around the holes I saw her shooting in and out of. Um, I never saw her leave, however, I also didn't hear any more rustling sounds. So, uh, all things being equal, a win is a win. I even told Ms. Waltek it's important to reflect on small victories as you win them. Uh, the feeling of progress is elusive and fleeting. So if you ever have a moment, you know, I told her, hold on, hold it in your hand for a little while. Even if we have no proof that the cat left the house or that we even didn't murder the cat in the process, but that's the nature of victory. So hopefully she's enjoying it while she can. So let's jump right into the meat and potatoes of today's episode, nervousness. So we often get caught up in the idea that things matter a lot our work life, how upset our friends and family may be at us for being so quiet, how little or how much fruit and vegetables we've eaten, how many times we check the locks on our doors or the knobs on our stove, maybe how much of a man or a woman we've been, maybe even how needless and unscientific this dichotomy is in the first place. Maybe we're ashamed at how much we allow ourselves to be used by others, or maybe we're ashamed at how much we need others to use us for something in order to feel worthwhile. Maybe whether we've been forgiving enough to those who have hurt us, or is our forgiveness of others a sign of fear, weakness, an inability to internalize your own needs and the importance of your own well-being? Or can you even spell out what that well-being looks like? Many of these things we can forget are all ultimately meaningless constructs, whether any of them even come true. I'm sure many of us have been in a fun dentist office and seen a cliche on a poster such as, don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. Well, this may be like a fun little tidbit to remind ourselves not to worry so much, 
The true solace of this statement lies in letting the chaos of that truth into the bottom of our hearts. We forget that if we truly quiet our minds to look at the world around us, the moment in which it will be that any previous moment had not existed is just around the corner. So, in other words, it will soon be as if this moment never existed. At any moment, you are right there, with no past or future, each moment swallowing the reality of the one before it. And this is always the case, no matter what you are doing, no matter what you're thinking about, no matter where you are. All of the moment's happiness, worries, sadness, even the depth of the worst oppression, life and death, will invariably be swallowed, digested, and expelled by the unstoppable creep of time. So, to internalize this truth and have a little bit of fun, I've put together a, a quick little exercise, and it's as simple as a snap of the fingers. I do it to remind myself of two things. Uh, one, where my nervousness exists to the extent that it exists at all. And two, that the world around me as it passes through time does not care. So, um, first of all, imagine you're out and about and the idea is to catch a nervous thought when it happens. And what we're going to do is we're going to peel back some layers and follow that nervous thought as far as we can. We say the fear, snap our fingers, we look at the world around us. We say the fear, we snap our fingers, we look at the world around us. So in this exercise, we say the fear, we realize what the fears are, and we send that fear out into the world through a quick snap of the fingers. And watch how the sound of that snap of the fingers bounces off the world around you as time moves on. Look around the room. Try it. Try a little snap of the fingers. Don't even think about the fear. Nobody cares. Nothing is affected by that. It's as if it never even happened, to be honest. And we're going to do this a couple times, and we are going to get into not sweating the small stuff, even our greatest fears and depressions. So, uh, so let's start off. Let's take a take a breath. Relax a little bit. Now, now I want to remind you that. There is no wrong way to breathe. Um, many teachers have ideas about how to breathe and they might have rules about how long to exhale or inhale, what holes to breathe in or out of, how long to hold it. But it's all nonsense. Your body knows how to breathe. It's literally the most simple thing you could possibly do. Now that we've taken a couple deep breaths, I'm going to offer up something that I get nervous about, just as an example for us to work through. Um, so, before each show, I get nervous. I know, that might come as a shock to many of you. I do present myself with a remarkable amount of presence and unshakable honesty. However, I do experience a, quite a bit of nervousness before each show because I want to do a good job. However, that's not it. I'm afraid I'll do a bad job. So let's start there. Take a deep breath. I'm afraid I'll do a bad job. And then I snap my fingers, send it outward. Nobody cares. Everything in this room is utterly unaffected by my fear. So that shows me where the fear exists inside my head. Does it exist in the outside world? Not at all. It's completely inside my head. Also, Time continues to swallow everything around me. There's no safe place to hide from this. Even our fears, 
our fears do not have a safe place unless we give them a safe place to hide. So let's keep going a little bit. So I'm afraid of not contributing anything worthwhile to my community. I'm afraid of not contributing anything worthwhile to my community. I look around the room. Utterly unaffected, nothing and nobody cares. And as I get more intimate with myself and more vulnerable, it's more worrying that nothing and no one cares. However, it's also freeing. And freedom comes with a degree of, of exhilaration, but also of intense anxiety. But where does that fear exist? In my head, does time move on? And does time swallow everything? And, 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 and are my fears just little pointless emotional farts that I hold on to? Yes, they are. Okay, so let's take this one step further. When I do a bad job, it reinforces the idea that trying was pointless. Look around. It's the same as it was, just as apathetic as it always is, as if no moment existed before it, and the things that don't matter still don't matter, and the things that exist in our heads still only exist in our heads, and reality marches on. So not everyone has their own show, as I do, so let's take something maybe that you can relate to more. Um, uh, you get nervous about eating tater tots. Let's start with that. Let's say you're at the bowling alley and the gang orders a, an order of tater tots and you're afraid that you've eaten too many of them so it makes you a little nervous. I want you to snatch that nervous thought out of the air, take a deep breath, realize what it is, snap your fingers, and realize that the world will continue moving on regardless of whether you choose to carry this worry through the march of time. So I think this went perfectly for me. I feel like I learned a lot about myself, even just doing this simple exercise as an example. I would love to hear about what you gained from this. So please uh, contact me and share your stories with the community. So much like time, the episode must march on. And at this point in the episode, we've come to a segment where we take questions from the community with a segment called Inquiries from the Edge. Okay, so this week's question comes from Laura S. from Appleton, Wisconsin. Doctor, please, I need advice quickly. Yesterday, I made the biggest mistake of my life. I own, well, owned a two-year-old parakeet named Starlight, whom I loved dearly. Starlight is a beautiful green and yellow gal who was trained to say words and sing duets with me. She does a really fantastic Stevie Nicks. But yesterday afternoon, I was cleaning and decided to air my room out. I opened the window, and out Starlight flew, fast as a bullet. I'm heartbroken because of this. Starlight is my best friend, and she must be scared and hungry out there all alone. I keep on checking every few minutes if she has returned outside my bedroom window, but I'm also terrified because, well, Starlight was my best friend, as I said, and my confidant. I told her things that really no one should ever hear. Embarrassing things, horrible things, disgusting things, and Starlight would repeat them back all day long, but I never mind it because I live alone, and I don't have any friends that come over or anything. But now, now I'm afraid Starlight is just flying over Appleton, notifying everyone down below about Laura S., who loves to masturbate to photos of male celebrities with her own face pasted on top of their bodies. What do I do, Dr. Tanner? Where do I start to fix this mess and calm down? 
So, Laura, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. Um, you've got a real situation on your hands. A very uh, This situation, at its worst, could unfold very poorly for you in almost every facet of your life. You'd have to move. You'd have to potentially change your name depending on how widely these rumors get spread, which, you know, we know how everyone loves to talk. So let's jump right in. I think there's going to be two situations. I think, one, you can assume your bird is dead safely. Uh, I don't think uh, that that domestic birds handle themselves out in the wild very much. I don't know if they know how to find food. Uh, they might eat their own poop and die of a, a staph infection, which is, I think, more likely than than a parakeet soaring through cul-de-sacs screaming about how you masturbate, however you masturbate. I will say, though, let's take that 10% chance that there's a parakeet telling other people that you masturbate. <sighs> you know, if I were you in your shoes, I think people respect honesty. And I think you should get out there and beat that parakeet to the punch. I'm going to say you should go door to door. You should tell people, hi, my name is Laura S. I've lived in Appleton for, I'm going to say 10 years, for 10 years. And I masturbate to photos of male celebrities with my face pasted on them. It makes me excited and it lets me love myself in a complicated way that I can't really explain that well. But I let my parakeet go and he's got all my secrets, and and I'm afraid that he's going to tell us. So I thought I'd be honest with my community and let you know. So um, if you have any more questions about me, I'm an open book. Uh, I just wanted to beat the parakeet to the punch because I don't know how much I can trust him. Just a sample script of what I would do if I were you. I'd, I'd, basically, this parakeet is either dead or can't be trusted. Um, or you could just kill this parakeet yourself. I know it's your best friend, but it's a dumb bird and birds I don't think can understand best friends I think that's a very one-sided relationship and maybe something to take into account if you can hunt a parakeet I don't know if that's legal or even possible but um, hopefully I gave you enough stuff to work from uh, Laura S uh, Godspeed to you this is a real bramble bush of a headache so that about does it for us here at Explorations with Leslie Tanner thank you so much for sharing the time with me I think we've shared a lot of laughs and also a lot of important vulnerability. Nervousness is an immortal topic and I'm sure we're going to dive into it again in another episode in the future. So if you have any feedback for me personally or if you have any questions or if you'd like to get a copy of the exercise that I went through today, feel free to reach out and I'd love to hear from anyone in the community. But before we go, to give you a little bit of homework, um, I want you to think about the role of shoes in your life. I want you to think about the complexity and how we identify with them. We express ourselves through them. They also have a very practical purpose. At some point, we're going to talk about shoes and how we emotionally relate to them and how they may curse us and how they may elevate us to heaven or to hell. So until next time, namaste, everyone. <laughs>